Welcome to the Good Talk Podcast, where we remind you of the joy of life, the love of God, and the possibilities that lie ahead. Pete and Jordan here with episode 92. What do I do with my doubt? It's a pretty, like, like practical one, I think. I think At so. least the topic. I don't really totally know everything you're going to talk about, but the topic is very relevant, I'm I think, for I, most people. I talk to so many people who don't know what to do with their questions and their doubt about, specifically around spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be fun to kind of dive into that. Yeah, sounds good. So we'll get there. Well, happy summer, y'all. It is like officially official summer now that we have had Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. That was super fun. You traveled this weekend a little bit um, for work. And I was here. I had family come in town. And all your boys are home from school yes. slash out of school. Um, That's always an adjustment. I love. You said nothing, that last last week. I did. Not in a negative way, though. No, yeah. no, no. I love. I love when Jet comes home from college. It's just I kind of get set in some routines, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, forgot about you. Well, it's not <laughs> that you forgot. You like they'll just pop in like when you're in a meeting or yes, and we work from home, so it's like you're literally like in the middle of a meeting, and he comes in is hungry. Or, yeah, it's, it's one more mouth that's like, hey, what can I eat? Yeah. Lunch now at three o'clock in the right. afternoon. And two of the three boys are working in our neighborhood pools. Yeah. So we see them a lot more. And so they, and they work it out at our gyms here. So we see them in and out pretty constantly in the summer, which I know is really fun for you to kind of get it. to be with them a little bit more. But um, I have a humongous bone to pick with you. What? I'm do it live. I'm, we'll do it live. Do I'm going to do it live all in right. front what of is it? all these people. I just got my hair done today. Oh, gosh. Yes. Looks great. You haven't said anything. It looks great. Did you not notice? I've been working. I literally just sat down. We've had several conversations, but not like looking at each other. Not really. Well, you didn't look. I've been working, or you've been working, setting stuff up, and so it's just been a busy day. I haven't. Let me. I'm just gonna hold your hand right now (laughs) and tell you how beautiful your hair looks. I need Jordan, who my hairstylist name is Jordan. I need her to like come over and flick you in the throat. It looks great. It's, I know. It, it's, yeah, very pretty. Thank you. What were you going to say? You're like, it's, it's. I was looking for a word. I don't, I don't know what word, it, but it's very, it's pretty. Thank you. It's, it's not like drastically it's different. Fascinating. But you know, as a female, females out there, you get your hair done, you're like, oh my gosh, I look so much brighter. I look so much, I love this, the color, whatever. And then you come home and your husband's like, no. But she didn't like fix it any different. Than well, she did. You just, well, right now you can't really see because I have my headphones on. Yeah, but it's like, you have headphones on. How am I supposed to? Because we've been around each other for the last like hour. Okay. Anyways, what do I do with my doubt of whether or not my husband actually pays attention to my hair? I, I, just one more time. I publicly like to say it looks amazing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Okay, really though, what do I do with my doubt? Let's go. What do you do with your doubt? Okay, so the the bottom line of what I want to talk about today is helping all of you that are listening right now, wherever you might be listening, that you don't have to understand everything to believe something. And again, I probably because of I've been in some kind of ministry most of my life, and you know, you bump into people like, what do you do? And you know, so for years I've told people well, I'm a pastor now, you know, I get to do that, but I'm also a life coach. And, um, 
it's unbelievable the things that in the first like two minutes of meeting somebody, sometimes the things they'll share with me when they know my background mm-hmm. is in ministry. And it happens on a regular basis, especially if you're stuck on a plane. Uh, people just have questions. And it doesn't have to be there. It can be in a church I'm speaking at or something like that. But people have questions like, you know, how do you explain some of the what look to be contradictions in the Bible? And they'll, you know, pull up. There's two or three pretty famous ones that mm-hmm. people kind of always go to. They've read something online or whatever. People have questions about, you know, uh, how, how can I believe in a loving God that would send people to hell? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's deeply personal for them. And it's like, you know, um, our daughter was raped. How in the world do you expect me to follow love? worship, believe in a God that would allow our daughter to be raped. Mm. And I've just found myself over the years having been asked hundreds of these questions that some of them I have a like decent answer to, but a lot of them I'm like, oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you reconcile that? And I think all of us based on different experiences we've had in our life, have these questions and have these doubts. And I think there's a lot of people out there that I would consider to be believers, but they don't they don't think they're a good Christian. They don't think they're good at the whole God thing because they have all these questions and they have these doubts. It's mm-hmm. almost like they think they're like a junior believer, a junior Christian. Yeah. Or if they may have been told, well if you don't believe at all, then you aren't anything. Like right. you know, like you you may not even think you're a baby Christian as much as, well, I guess I'm not anything if I can't yeah. get on board with all that. Well, and two, if, if you've been around the church world for long, you know that we sometimes use words, I think, that are a slightly misleading. Like a very famous phrase that we use all the time in the church is a fully devoted follower. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to create fully devoted followers. Uh, let's be honest, though. Like, who's a fully devoted, like... Yeah. Really, God's the only one that's fully devoted. The rest of us are kind of hacks. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. You I think mean, I'm there's... in trouble for saying that? <laughs> no. No, I, I think you're totally right. That'd be like saying we're without sin. Yeah. And so, I mean, I get the idea of it. I just think it can sometimes be a little bit misleading to people, yeah. make them think that they're less of a believer wherever they are on their spiritual journey than they actually are. Yeah. But I bring all that up because there's this great story in the Bible, in the New Testament. I don't preach on the podcast often. I'm not preaching now. I just want to share a story mm-hmm. that happens to be in Scripture. Okay. But it's John chapter 9, and it's, I think it's. I don't have time to go through the whole story. I think it's actually a hilarious story about this blind guy that Jesus meets. And uh, so Jesus with his disciples, and then they stumble through this community, and there's a blind guy. And the disciples, his disciples are actually ones that point him out. They're like, hey, that there's a blind guy over there, Jesus. What happened? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Because the belief in that culture was that if you had some kind of physical disability, it was the cause of your sin. Ooh. You did something wrong. And you are punished by God, or your parents did something wrong, and he punished your parents by giving you a physical disability. Jesus quickly puts that whole argument to bed. He's like, this has nothing to do with his sin, or his parents' sin, or any sin. And uh, But then the whole encounter that Jesus has with this blind man, I think is hilarious. Jesus literally gets some dirt together from the ground, spits in it, makes some mud, 
and puts it on his eyes Mm -hmm. and then tells him to go to this particular pool and to wash the mud off and he'll be healed. But little funny things like the Bible never tells you how the guy got to the pool of Siloam to wash. (laughs) He's blind. I love that you thought about that. I have, but he's blind and not, he's like double blind now because on top of his blind Maybe eyes, he had a buddy he like mud. Him there. I think probably a buddy. Yeah. Just his old pal. But then that kind of the... takes a little bit of the humor away of it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But so he does this and he's healed. And he comes back to the community and here's this guy because in that day and age, if you're blind, the only thing you could do was sit and beg. So he was just a beggar. That was his mm-hmm. profession. He would sit there and beg every day. So everybody in the community starts to have this debate around him. Like, is this the guy? Is this the guy that used to be blind? He was born blind, but mm-hmm. now he can see. And they're arguing over, over whether or not it's him. And he's like, yeah, it's it's me. And they still don't really believe it. So they go and get the Pharisees who are the religious leaders. And they're like, hey, can you tell us why this happened? And the Pharisees don't believe that it happened either because uh, it, this happened on the Sabbath day, right? And so they had a lot of rules around the Sabbath day. And the reality was Jesus kind of broke the rules by healing this guy on the Sabbath. So then the whole argument breaks out about whether or not Jesus is a sinner or Jesus is from God. And they're like, there's no way he can be from God because he just healed this blind guy on the Sabbath. And they just keep questioning the blind guy. How did this happen? Who did this? He'd be like, the man they called Jesus. They're like, how'd he do it? He's like, he put some mud in my eyes, told me to wash off, and now I see. He just keeps giving the same answer over and over, and they keep coming at him from all these different angles. The reason they had such a hard time wrapping their mind around this, because ultimately, and it says that they were divided in their opinion about what happened, and they were divided because there was something that was undeniable, and there was also something that was unexplainable. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of the story. This, the beauty of this story is, is that it shows us something can be unexplainable, but also be undeniable, right? And that the wise person is the person who doesn't focus on what's unexplainable, but they focus on what's undeniable. Mm -hmm. You can apply this to a lot of different areas of life, right? But the reason it was unexplainable to them is because they had God in a box. And for them, inside their box, God would never heal somebody on the Sabbath. So it's unexplainable to them that this was a good thing, that God actually did this through Jesus because it didn't fit with their explanation of who God is and how God acts. Hmm. So they're divided because some believe it's unexplainable. They can't accept it. But there's another group of them who are like, yeah, but it's pretty undeniable. This guy's been blind his whole life. And now all of a sudden he has an encounter with Jesus and he can see. And so it's a funny story where it kind of plays out. But what's really so important to me is this whole idea of, yes, there are things in life that are 100% unexplainable, right? And yet there's also some things that are undeniable. Mm -hmm. And for me in my life, if I really want to get traction when it comes to things of faith, I have to make a conscious shift from what's unexplainable to what's undeniable. It doesn't mean that I don't ignore the unexplainable. It doesn't mean I don't ask those questions. It doesn't mean I don't study and try to get more clarity around them. But if I put all my focus on what's unexplainable and I ignore the undeniable, it will shipwreck my faith. Yeah. But if I can learn to put my focus on what's undeniable, then the unexplainable doesn't destroy me. Right. It doesn't mean that you can't ask the questions. Because I think like we said earlier, like there's... 
no one who I think we could say is fully devoted. And I think if someone could claim that, like that they've never wavered, it's inauthentic, right? So it's like, we're not saying you have to live in authentically and say, you can only focus on the undeniable, but you're to, to live in balance of both, but in not simultaneously letting it wreck what you ultimately know is true. Another, if you're a Christian, I'm not saying that right. everybody's in this faith, but uh, another question I get asked a lot is if I have doubts mm-hmm. and I've been pretty honest about this throughout my entire life that yes, I do. And you've heard me joke about this before. I sometimes I'm nervous to share publicly my doubts. Cause I'm afraid yeah. that I'll literally take the legs out of underneath people's faith mm-hmm. because I do have some doubts and I do have questions and I'm, pretty sure that some of those questions will never be answered on this earth. Mm-hmm. There's just not an answer to them. Uh, it, it's, it's truly unexplainable. And I have doubts. And sometimes my doubts come creeping in at like the weirdest times. But for the most part, I doubt when God doesn't act the way I think God should act. Mm-hmm. Same problem that the Pharisees had in the story. Like, there's no way this was God. This happened on the Sabbath, right? They had him in this little box. Mm-hmm. And same thing is true for me. I, whether I want to admit it or not, and this is true for almost everybody, we, we have this box we've created that we've put God in. Mm-hmm. And so we believe that we know exactly what God thinks, mm-hmm. what God loves, what God hates, what God accepts, what God rejects, when God would act, when God wouldn't act. And the more of those constraints that you put on who you think God is, my guess is the more doubts you're going to have because there's going to be more things that are unexplainable. Absolutely. So for me, when God you know, lets things happen in this world that I don't think he should let happen, I doubt. Uh, when God doesn't answer a question I've had for a long time, I doubt. Uh, when I'm praying, but I feel like God isn't listening and God isn't doing anything and my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, I doubt. Right when God is unexplainable to me, that's when my faith shrinks and my doubts and my questions rise. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's true for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've been in seasons of my life where I probably focused more on the unexplainable because I felt like I was on that side of it. Like something happened maybe to me or whatever it was, where you you just start to think like how can, why, like, why? Like I've, you know, either a devoted my life to this or, you know, I've feel like I've done everything I could do in this situation yet. I'm still like at the bottom of the barrel. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's very seasonal for me and I'm not saying that's true of everybody, but I really think like when things are hard, it's really easy to Mm -hmm. focus on that. And, and the unexplainable with the big question mark is hard to have hope through. But like you said, like if you can also focus on the undeniable, I was trying to think of this out of context of religion and this concept. And it's almost like, I'm just, this is one tiny example, but like a, a, someone dating, right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all they can focus on is how they haven't found their person. And that to them is unexplainable. Like yep. I've, I've put myself out there. I try, I try, blah, blah, blah. And then to f- shift the focus to the undeniable, which maybe is you still have, you know, air in your lungs. You still right, have right. people to meet. You still have great friendships and all these things. And it's almost like if you can shift to the undeniable, thinking about all that you have, 
and stop focusing on the unexplainable, you then become a healthy version of you who then opens themselves up to the opportunity of more. Or to stay on that same line of thought, this was real popular when I was like a teenager. I don't know if they still do this or not, but it was like, I remember in a youth group, they were like, make a list of the 10 things you're looking for in a future mate. Yes. Right? And so you make your list. Well, what happens, you know, uh, when five years down the road, you fall in love with somebody, but they only check three of the things that you wrote down, right? It's, It's unexplainable that they don't meet the criteria that you've set out, but it's also undeniable that you are in love with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So which one are you going to focus on? Yeah. Go ahead, focus on the list. What's yeah. unexplainable, that relationship's going to fall apart. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So like... Anyway, I was trying to like shift it out of just the box of religion and yeah. think of like you can apply that in so many ways in real life. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think for me, uh, I'll, you know, I always like to take things back to the human mind, which I think is so fascinating. We've talked about this idea before in the podcast that... Uh, on the average day, you have 70,000 thoughts. Yeah. 70,000 thoughts we have a day that our human mind processes. But only 5% of those thoughts are new thoughts, which means I think what happens is some people is they get caught in a loop. Actually, we're all caught in some loops. But I think some people specifically get caught up in a loop of focusing on what's unexplainable. Mm-hmm. They can't get over it. It's such a, a hurdle for them that they, they're stuck and their mind is just repeating over and over and over these hundreds, if not thousands of thoughts that have to do with the unexplainable. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think the wise person is the person who says, yeah, there's definitely some unexplainable in life, especially when it comes to spirituality, there's some mm-hmm. unexplainable. But I also have some things that are undeniable. Yeah. And, you know, what... what if you can shift that focus, because we do have that ability with our minds, right? We do have that power where we place our attention, where we place our focus. If you focus on that undeniable, my guess is what will happen down the road is that the unexplainable won't be near as big of a deal. Mm. That's what I've seen. At the times in my life where I was so focused on the unexplainable and it ate me up alive, Right When I was able to shift that focus to what was undeniable, it didn't take away the unexplainable. Yeah. But a lot of that just kind of works itself out or it doesn't become as important of an issue to you down the road. Yeah. It's like the unexplainable almost has that like on the underbelly is worry. Like somehow you're worried you're not believing the right thing Mm -hmm. or somehow you're worried you're missing something or someone else is missing something. And it just, it's that same, that same like echo of... If you worry, it doesn't change your future. It doesn't change the reality. Worrying does not change your present. In fact, it just makes it more miserable. And so it's like, it's that same thing. Like the unexplainable doesn't change the undeniable. Correct. Like it just, it kind of, if you think of it in terms of worry and living in the cycles, because those are the loops that I think a lot of us live in are the the worry. So it's it's interesting how those kind of align parallel. I, I think too that too many people think that to have faith means you don't have doubt no question and yeah it's like there's another it's another great story jesus meets his father whose son is very sick and he comes to jesus and he's like if you can do anything would you heal my son it's not a real bold statement of faith it's like if If you can do anything anything. and they have this brief conversation and then the man actually says to jesus i believe help me with my unbelief Mm -hmm. I love that line because I think that so encompasses where a lot of us are these days. I believe, 
help me with my unbelief. Yeah. It, it, it is possible to have faith and belief and at the same time have doubt and have questions. Mm-hmm. I think, it, again, it comes down to what you choose to most align yourself with. Yeah, that's so true. Do you align yourself with the unbelief or do you align yourself with the belief? And in that particular case, Jesus does heal his son, which begs you know, this, this question of how much faith is enough faith. Apparently, you don't have to have a whole lot of it, right? Mm-hmm. At this dad tethers what little bit of faith he has to Jesus and his son is healed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and again, I, that, that story always reminds me that Jesus prefers honesty over certainty. Yeah. You just got to be real. Be real about the questions you have. Be real about the doubts. It's not going to hurt God. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's offended by that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you were talking and it's like, because I'm thinking about a parent, how many times does a child come up to you with a question that's really hard? Uh-huh. And the answer being, I don't know, I think is actually very powerful. Yeah. Because trying to pretend like you know and you have answers for everything in life is so like, you know, not not realistic. And so I love in my life, I think back to times I've asked a question that was like a really hard question or question about faith or question about a religion. And the answer coming back to me, I don't know. Like I'd love to like, I think that's such a okay place to be. Um, and for some reason, a lot of us have been fed over the years. Like you can't say, I don't know, you can't not have certainty in something. Um, but I just think, I don't think Jesus expected us to Mm-mm. have that certainty. And so that's really peace-giving, I think. Yeah, it is for me. So I just want to encourage, I, I, I hope, hopefully didn't confuse you uh, with, with some of these things we talked about today, because that's not really what my goal is at all for those of you that are listening. I think more than anything, what I'd like to do is encourage those of you who are on this journey, and you do have questions and doubts, and, and you feel like somehow that means you can't believe in something, right? That you have to have all your questions answered. You have to have all the doubt removed before you believe in something. And that's simply not true. You don't yeah. have to understand everything to believe in something. Yeah. And, and I also hope that you understand, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be on a journey to explore your doubts and your questions. It's mm-hmm. okay to doubt, and it's mm-hmm. okay to question. It's okay to study, to try to figure, figure it out. That, that, you know, I think, makes you a stronger person. I love that. That's fun for me. But at some point in your life, there has to be that shift. If your primary focus is just on the unexplainable in your life, it's, it's going to wither your faith. So true. That's really good. I, I find so much comfort. And you said this, I don't know, maybe it was this past weekend or something, but you said Jesus prefers the honest questions rather than the fake assumptions yeah. or like whatever. I don't remember exactly how you said it, but just to just know. prefers honesty over certainty. Over certainty, yeah. So it's like, especially if that certainty is the facade to make yourself feel better or to yeah. look good in front of people. And I just think that's so cool that, you know, we have this perfect model of a person, yet he also um, is okay with us yeah. not being certain. I just think that's so cool. Yeah. But. Sometimes we, we just say some really stupid stuff in church. Like, I have literally heard this multiple times in churches where somebody's like, oh, you need to pray with boldness, pray for it once, don't ask for it again, because then God's going to know that, you're, that you doubt. And it's like, no, God's not up there and like 
was like, oh, I was going to give you what you asked for, but then you asked for it again, <laughs> yeah. and now you're busted. Well, think of, yeah, so true. And I'll, <laughs> this is my last thing I'm going to say, but like think about any relationship. Like if we, because Pete and I would say, X to the religion, check to the relationship. Sorry, that was kind of a weird. Yeah, what was it? Um, like I was trying to find X, like on religion, like, but like a check mark next to yeah. relationship. In what relationship can you ever like a true relationship? Not ask questions, not work through things, not work through doubts, not have all like you've never entered into a friendship, into a romantic relationship, into anything where you're just like robots and yes, every say yes to everything yeah. and just believe in instantly something you're told. Um, so I just think that's such a, if you think about it practically, it's just not realistic. And I think it's so cool that we're allowed to point. question, make questions. Anyway, I think it's a great point, but I, I'd also spin it the opposite way and say at the, you're exactly right. And at the same time, imagine if in a relationship, all you do is focus on the unexplainable. Totally. That would be exhausting. We're some, it yeah. would never develop trust. That's so true. Yeah. Hmm. We should have turned this into a relationship chat. I think you just did. <laughs> Shocking. Oh man. That was good. I like that. What do I do with my doubt? Thank yep. you. The wise person eventually makes that shift because you can have undeniable and unexplainable. Yep. You just got to choose what you're going to focus on. So exhale, knowing that that's okay. All right. Thank you. Hope you guys have an awesome week, uh, weekend, if you're listening, when we put this out. And we will be back next week. And that was another good, good talk. talk.